With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. This is Jeff T. from the Club 520 Podcast. When it comes to your feet, eBay's got your back. When you see the blue check mark that says authenticity guaranteed, that means real experts are checking your sneakers. Every stitch, down to the sole. They even smell them because nothing says fresh like the scent of real kicks. So kick back and relax. From the drop to your doorstep, eBay doesn't play games with your sneaker game. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal with eBay Authenticity Guaranteed. Visit ebay.com for terms. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The volume. No! Oh my God! How could he do that? Are you on? Don't What? Charles Darwin. The Nerds is where it's at. Welcome everybody back into Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Bradford alongside me is Logan Camden. And today we are going to be playing some NFL Would You Rather for this entire show. I'll give you two options. You tell me which you prefer. I will do the same. But we're actually going to start with a bit of a three-headed monster here related to last night's game. We're not going to talk about Jag Saints in depth. But we did see Trevor Lawrence go down there, lead his team down the field on a game-winning drive. So for the rest of their career, Logan, would you rather have Lawrence, Herbert, or Burrow? I'm going to go Burrow, Herbert, and then Lawrence in that order. It's really marginal. Okay. Uh, I mean, I think you're splitting hairs between these guys. I think they're all bona fide franchise quarterbacks. Burrow's number one for me. Uh, and the injury history does scare me with Burrow, and his offensive line play does scare me. I mean... Uh, those are variables I don't like. Burrow is at risk of getting crushed and, you know, having his uh, knee go at, at any point it feels. But Burrow's got some of the most special feel for the game that I've ever seen, and that's what I think separates him from Herbert and Lawrence. He's just got that, I don't know, that control over the game, man, that Tom Brady stuff is how I feel. And I just feel like I've seen it a few too many times with Joe Burrow. Maybe you like the physical profiles of Lawrence and Herbert. They're a little bit bigger. Uh, they're a little more athletic than Burrow. You know, they're all pretty good at scrambling, but I think Herbert and Lawrence are in a different tier, and maybe you prefer their arm talents. But I'm going to take Joey B's just feel for the game and awareness. And then, honestly, dude, take your pick between Herbert and Lawrence. I feel like they are just so similar, dude. Lawrence played a really good game last night uh, on a sprained knee, dude. Scrambling, getting out of the pocket, uh, extending plays. I think Doug Peterson has been awesome for his development, man. I think he's exactly what he needed after a disastrous rookie season with Urban Meyer. You know, they've got talent uh, in the receiving room too, but it's Lawrence elevating all of those guys. I don't know, man. I mean, Lawrence and Herbert to me is is the tougher one to make a decision between. I think they're so similar. And I know that a lot of people don't like Herbert because he's 27, 27. Oh, he's overrated this and that, and he's coming off of a bad game. I don't know, man. Do you have a hot take between Herbert and Lawrence, dude? I feel like that is one of the closest QB competitions in the NFL today. 
they do have a lot of similarities, but I would take Herbert. I think that in year two, Herbert was just further along than Lawrence is right now. And although the production may not have been as dominant from Herbert last year, I absolutely believe that he is the same level player. I mean, he had really difficult circumstances to overcome and through the first four games, I thought was playing quarterback as well as anybody in football. He did just play one of the worst games of his career, but I think the one advantage that Lawrence has over Herbert is that although they have very similar athletic traits, similar speed at similar sizes, Lawrence is a bit more willing to weaponize that. He's been a more effective scrambler. We saw that in a big way last night, even with the injury. But I think that Herbert is the superior arm talent. They're both very good, but Herbert can make those throws that are in a tier only with Mahomes and Allen. Those unbelievable elevate the guys around you throws. And I think he's really smart. I think he makes very good decisions with the football. I don't think he makes a lot of mistakes. Lawrence is pretty good in those categories, but not quite at the Herbert level. And I honestly think long term... I would prefer Herbert to Burrow, and that's not necessarily to say that he's better right now because I do think that we have seen more elite production from Burrow. I also think that Burrow has historically been in better situations playing with the best receiving core in football. This year is tougher. We'll see how he produces given those circumstances. Very rough start, but injury certainly plays a factor there, but I just feel like there is still more room for growth with Herbert as he gets the best group of weapons together as he gets the best protection that he can. The athletic traits, the mind, it's all so, so promising to me. The margin is slim because Burrow's accuracy, his anticipation, it is so, so elite. Possibly the best in football, and that's what makes him who he is. But I really do believe in Herbert. So, it's an interesting conversation. There's not a big gap between any of them long-term. I think that Lawrence is clearly three of three right now, but he's also the youngest but I would very narrowly take Herbert, then Burrow, and then Lawrence. Real quick before we move on to our other would-you-rathers, do you have any takeaways on the Saints side from what we saw last night? Yeah, you know, they showed a lot of fight, I thought, Carson, after being down 24-9, and damn, that is a heartbreaking way to lose a game, dude. Foster Moreau goes full Jackie Smith in the end zone, dude. I mean, that is one of the most soul-crushing, yeah. crippling drops you can imagine. I mean, they draw up a perfect play in the red zone. This is an offense that has struggled to get the lid off in the red zone. I mean, it's really been the one issue with this team, and that's kind of my takeaway for this game, Carson. I know you felt it through the TV in that game. The Saints can get that Superdome rocking, man. I mean, that place is a like a raucous environment to play in. I like this defense. I really like their playmakers. They can move the ball. You know, I mean, you've got Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, Rashid Shahid, Alvin Kamara, Jamal Williams when he's fully healthy. They've got a competent game manager in Derek Carr. I mean, I, I don't love Derek Carr, but he's uh, still an upper echelon game manager. You know what I mean? Again, he's not an elevator of an offense, but he can capably manage a game for you. Like, if the Saints can win their division and host a playoff game, at the Superdome, I mean, that's a hell of an advantage. They've got to figure out their red zone issues, and I think that involves honestly playing Taysom Hill more, which is kind of a ridiculous answer for me. If that's QB, varying it up, running more option plays, or hell, man, just getting him the ball inside the 20, I think that's honestly a big component of it. If they can solve those issues, honestly, I think this team can be 
you know, average to above average. And again, this is not a super competitive division uh, in terms of talent. And so if the Saints can creep into the playoffs, win this division and host a playoff game, I still think that's a win and that's on the horizon for this team. I wouldn't bank on it. I still marginally prefer the Buccaneers because I think their defense is better, but New Orleans is right there, but they've got to iron out these red zone issues. I've been very underwhelmed by the New Orleans offense the entire year. I can't see them winning a playoff game. I think whoever they go up against in the wild card round, given that if they do win the division, they would definitely be fourth of four. They're just going to be able to outscore them. And it is a good Saints defense, but the level we've seen from Carr has been disappointing. Obviously has the pick six in this game, which isn't totally on him. He's trying to force the issue on third and 10. Still not a good decision. And there's just been no dynamism to this offense. They have really struggled to run the ball with any sort of efficiency, even with Kamara back out there now, even with Jamal Williams back out there now. They're 27th in rushing yards per attempt. They're 24th in passing yards per attempt. And they are so reliant on just underneath stuff. Kamara catches 12 passes in this game. And... There's just no explosiveness here, which is really disappointing given the fact that they do have some pretty dynamic receiving weapons with Chris Olave, with Michael Thomas out there. I just think they are very, very hard capped in terms of what they can do offensively. That's been the case in every game. This is an offense that's putting up 19 points per game, and that's going to continue to be the thing that limits them. Yeah, it's tough for New Orleans, too, because they're in a tough spot with their offensive line where they're on yeah. you know a bunch of third and fourth guys. But you're right. They do lack uh, variety, you know, a different dimension. If they can't run the ball, it is going to be hard to reach that upper ceiling. But like I said, man, a lot of it has been just not converting opportunities, I think. Uh, are you completely off the Saints bandwagon? I know you picked them to win the NFC South. Are you ready to flip on that at this point? Well, I picked the Falcons to win the NFC South. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. I think it is going to depend on the consistency we get from Baker Mayfield. If Baker continues to outplay Derek Carr, then I think that the Bucs can win this division. But I think these defenses are very close to one another. I do prefer the overall offensive talent in New Orleans because I think they should have a better running game than Tampa. They should have better quarterback play. They have comparable receiving cores. So the Saints probably still win this division. They're at least going to be firmly in the hunt, but who cares? They're not good. Like, they're not going to make any sort of noise, and now you're invested in Derek Carr for multiple years, and he's just going to be a bridge guy. And the Saints are going to be stuck in now back-to-back bridge guys, and it's just a very underwhelming place for them to be. Okay, let's move on. Go back to our Would You Rather game, Logan, where we can talk about some great football teams. Would you rather have? The San Francisco 49ers defense or the Cleveland Browns defense? Uh, let me be clear. Okay. Uh, I really like the 49ers defense. I, in fact, love the 49ers defense. I think they've got some of the most talented guys in the league uh, at every level, man. Bosa uh, on the back line, Hufanga, Greenlaw, Bosa. Or I said Bosa already, man. We got two Bosas. Do um, they? And Javon Hargrave up in the middle. I think they're really, really talented, man. You got a really good, you know, pass rushing duo up front. Fred Warner is probably the best linebacker in the game, man. That guy's disgusting in coverage, tackling. He's he just controls the game, but it's hard not to recognize what the Browns are doing and not rock with them, man. Jim Schwartz has come in here and completely transformed this defense, and they're really talented. Uh, I mentioned last week, you know, I got a lot of flack for it. 
Uh, a lot of people asked me, you know, what I was smoking on. I think the Browns' defense is, like, historically great, and it's something that you can build the foundation on. Uh, a lot of people did not like that take. I said the Browns were legitimate Super Bowl contenders. Again, when you've got a defense like that, man, you don't need a, a ton of offense on the other side to pull you through, especially when they have an offensive line like that. And the Browns' defense is historically great uh, through five games. Carson, this season, they've got the number two passing defense and the number four rushing defense among their contemporaries. But when you look at this in a historical context, they've got the fewest yards per play allowed in the modern NFL. The only defenses with less yards per play allowed, you have to go back to the 1970s. The only defense with a better mark with less than four yards per play allowed since 2000 is the 2008 Steelers. Pretty good company to be in. They have the fewest yards allowed through the first five games to start a season in the modern NFL. Again, you have to go back to the 60s and 70s to find a defense with better marks. They have the fewest first downs allowed through the first five games to start a season in the modern NFL. Again, the fourth fewest allowed through the first five games. You have to go back to the 60s and 70s to find a better mark. They have the third fewest total passing yards allowed through the first five games of a season since 2000. Behind the 04 Dolphins and the 09 Giants, they've got the fifth lowest third down percentage through the first five games in NFL history. Now, I think this is slightly inflated by playing a really injured Joe Burrow and the Pittsburgh Steelers offense, but they completely shut down Derrick Henry and the Titans. This team is really talented. They're well coached. They can get pressure with four guys. They've got top 10 duos at each level, like I mentioned last week. They've got two of the best pass rushers in football and two of the best man corners in the game. It allows you to play a different style of defense I think the Browns are loaded. I think they're the best defense in the NFL this season. And I think they're in a different tier compared to everybody. For me, this is like roughly my top 10-ish defenses right now. I'd go Browns, Ravens, Niners, Jets, Eagles, Steelers, Chiefs, Bucks, Lions. Uh, all those defenses are great, but I think the Browns are in a completely different tier right now, man. That's interesting to me that you have the Ravens above the Niners. I feel like the Browns are definitely defense number one and defense number two for me. There's no denying the Browns' production up to this point. As you said, it is historically impressive. I think I would prefer the Niners' defense for the rest of the season, though. And it's very marginal, but there's something about the sample size over which they've proven this. There's something about the fact that there is a handful of all-pro talents here. And I think the secondary has been impressive to me. Traverius Ward has been awesome. Hufunga is one of those all-pro level guys. The pass rush from both of these units is pretty dominant, both top 10 in pressure rate. I would give the Browns the edge there. But I think the totality of the Niners defense to me is just a bit more loaded. And if you look at their production, I mean, it is also outstanding. They are the number one scoring defense. They're third in yards per play. They have been more dynamic in terms of forcing turnovers versus the Browns. They have 11 takeaways up to this point on the year. And the Niners really haven't been pushed by a whole bunch of high-level offenses. They did dominate the Cowboys on the ground through the air, shut them down completely, forced four turnovers in that game. That was really impressive. Outside of that, they faced a lot of mediocre to bad offenses. But I'm going to buy into the production that we saw last year, how dominant they were, all of the elite talent that they've retained and even added to. I buy into them absolutely. But to me, these are clearly the two best defenses of football. They're two of the best defenses that we've seen in recent years. I know. I still think that you know, close to full health, and the Jets too, man. I don't want to 
The Jets are disgusting. I, I don't want to underrate them either. I, all of these groups have one overarching thing in common, though, and that's they get a ton of pressure on the QB, and they don't need to send a ton of guys. That's why I would still have the Eagles and the Jets in that upper echelon. Well, the too. Eagles the haven't produced too. at that level When you level look at these teams, year. you know, Watt, Highsmith, the Eagles, Sweat, Carter Davis, Fletcher Cox. Uh, yeah. You know, Brandon Graham at full health. Those guys can just pressure the hell out of the quarterback. The Jets, too, man. So, honestly, I, I think those are all in my top five. We got a lot of good defenses this year. Uh, for me, it's still Browns and the Ravens. And, again, I, maybe I don't buy into all the Browns' historical stats right now. I do think they're a little inflated at this point in the season. But I think they are the best group in football moving forward. I would have the Ravens three. I just don't think they mm -hmm. quite have the level of pass rush that Cleveland and San Francisco do. And the Eagles absolutely do have that level of front. But I think that the linebackers have been a problem. I think the overall passing defense has been fine, but could be better. I mean, those are still top five defenses to me. So we're uh, doing a little bit of nitpicking. But the Niners and Browns, I think, have produced at a level where they deserve to be held a little bit above the rest. Okay. Well, we mentioned the Ravens and we mentioned the Eagles, Logan, elite defenses, but also supposed to be teams that have elite offenses let out there by elite quarterbacks. So would you rather have Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts right now? I would rather have Lamar Jackson. And I actually had this uh, debate about a week ago with my roommate. And I think the conventional, I don't know if this conventional thinking about this question because I get it. Lamar has not done it in the playoffs. Lamar has not been immaculate in clutch moments. And the Ravens offense has struggled in the red zone this season. I asked this to my roommate and he laughed at me. He literally did. And he goes, Jalen Hurts was one drive away from winning the Super Bowl last season. How is this a question? Well, to me, when you look at, you know, the situation that both of these guys are in and their individual abilities, I just think it's Lamar. I think Lamar's a better thrower of the football, and he's a better arm talent. Uh, he's been more accurate, more efficient. He's the best rushing quarterback ever in my eyes. You know, you can debate him or Michael Vick. I think it's Lamar. Uh, and Lamar's just shown us so much more. He's been so much more responsible solely for the success of his offense and his team. I think when you're looking at individual heliocentric quarterbacks that single-handedly carry their offenses, it's Mahomes. It's Allen, and then it's Lamar, and we've seen it over multiple seasons. Through four seasons, he's anchored two number one rushing offenses, four top five rushing offenses. He had the number one scoring offense and an MVP season. He's always been super efficient. He's got the seventh best touchdown interception ratio in NFL history, and it's translated to wins. He's got the 10th highest winning percentage in NFL history. I think this season is the best that Lamar's ever looked as a passer, as a complete NFL quarterback, and I think these are the best weapons he's ever had. It's still not Lamar's fault that this team can't catch a cold. Uh, they've got the eighth most drops in the NFL this season. I love Hurts. I think they're both top six, but I think there's a bigger gap between Hurts and Jackson than the gap between a guy like Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow. Um, and again, when I think you're looking at situation, uh, Lamar's got a you know a great defense too. He's got a good offensive line, but when I think you're looking at situation. Jalen Stillen, one of the best in the NFL. The best, you know, second or best offensive line in football. Take your pick between them and the Browns at full strength. Uh, Hurts is, yeah, Lions too. That's a good point. Hurts, ha, uh, you know, has a great defense too. And he's got great weapons. I just think Lamar's been a better elevator um, for longer at this point. And again, I, I think when you're looking at their individual skill sets, I just kind of prefer Lamar 
in every one. And I get it. Lamar hasn't done it in the playoffs. Hurts is going on a playoff run. Uh, to me, that's less important than when you look at these guys' skill sets and their situations. So it is close. You know, I, I want to be clear about that, but I think Lamar's just proven it to us more. I would have Lamar definitely over Jalen Hurts right now. And in the offseason, I actually had Hurts higher. I thought he was coming off of such an unbelievable season and so incredibly effective as that short distance running weapon that he is, but also so efficient as a passer, so mistake free there, and then also played that sort of special game in the Super Bowl. Now, the first couple playoff games, they were not relying on the passing game very much at all. He threw for under 300 yards in those two games combined, but then he went out there and went toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes and played a legitimate masterpiece. But I do believe that Lamar is pretty much doing everything at a higher level right now. Like, yeah, in terms of those short-distance power runs still give me Jalen. He's just so unbelievably strong. But in terms of the totality of their impact as a rusher, there's no question that Lamar is more dangerous out of scrambles and out of design runs. He is legitimately one of the fastest players in the NFL and one of the shiftiest players in the NFL. That is an insane weapon that does more to unlock an offense than what hurts his rushing ability can still. And you mentioned the situation advantages. Hertz is playing with, to me, the best offensive line in football, a top three receiving tandem, whereas Lamar is playing with, yes, a good line and improved receivers, but receivers who still are middle of the pack. Last week, of course, was a brutal performance from them, drop after drop after drop. And Lamar is a better arm talent, but it's not just that. He's reading the field better right now. He's making more decisions with the football. He's making fewer mistakes. He's just playing the quarterback position at a higher level in basically every way. And we'll see if Hertz can right the ship a little bit. I do think the loss of Shane Steichen has proven to be a bit concerning for him, but he hasn't found that rhythm with the receivers in the same way as last year. He isn't reading the field at the same level. As we talked about last week, he's taking longer to make decisions, to get the ball out. He's just having more issues. Lamar, I would like to see finish drives better this year. I would like to see the Ravens have that all-around offensive explosion where everything is clicking, and we haven't really seen that. But I just think he is still doing more. He is playing the position at a higher level in basically every way. Let me ask you this as we're talking about the Ravens, just because they do have a big game this week against the Lions. Who would you rather have for the rest of this year? The Lions in totality or the Ravens? Man, that's a tough question, dude. I guess Baltimore. Ah. Ooh, interesting. It's a It's it's just a year over year thing and again, man, I hate I hate doing this to the Lions. I, I it's 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 the culture, man. I I believe in Harbaugh, I believe in Lamar, I believe in the Ravens defensive identity. Not that I'm saying that I don't in the Lions. The Lions are really strong in the trenches. It's Lamar. It comes down to Lamar versus Goff when it's so marginal between these two teams. Great defenses, great offensive line play. You know, I, I probably slightly prefer the Lions line, and I prefer the Lions weapons. Uh, I think they're loaded in those two categories. But I prefer the Ravens defense, and I just prefer Lamar. Uh, Lamar is still one of the best QBs in the game, and I think he's criminally underrated, man. I think people just find reasons to hate Lamar, if it's the playoff success, if it's all he's a running back, whatever. I think people find reasons to talk themselves out of Lamar. It's really close, dude. I think those teams are in really similar tiers, but I'm barely taking the Ravens. Where do you come down on that? 
It is crazy close. I think the Ravens still have more room to grow. I mm-hmm. think they have a ceiling that they haven't shown us yet. The Lions are playing better football right now to me, and there's a more reliable team in football week to week because of how much they dominate at the point of attack. They can establish the run. They're going to have efficient passing game from Jared Goff. And then defensively, they've done a great job in the trenches, pressuring the quarterback, stopping the run. I do still think this Baltimore defense in terms of all three levels is at a different level of talent. That's a top five defense firmly to me. They've proven it. The talent is all there. And the offense, again, we've just seen these weird things. If it's drops, if it's just unfortunate turnovers, the sort of thing that feels like an outlier, they just haven't reached their ceiling yet. So I would probably lean Baltimore long-term because I do believe in that growth and I do believe in Lamar as a superstar talent. But right now, the Lions have been the more consistent, more complete football team. And yeah, there's a gap at quarterback play, but Goff is playing like a top 10 guy. He is doing his job about as well as you could expect. And they don't need a superstar level talent back there. They need a guy to do what Jared Goff is doing. So it's very, very, very close there. All right, let's talk about Another dynamic offense out in the AFC, but let's put it into some historical terms, Logan. Would you rather have this year's Miami Dolphins offense or the greatest show on turf? This is a ridiculous narrative that has been cooked up uh, through the start of this season. By the deep state? Um, I'm taking the greatest show on turf. From 1999 to 2001, The greatest show on turf had the number one offense in the league every year. Every single season, they were number one in scoring. They were number one in yards per passing play. They were number one in total yards, total points. And over those three years, they were number one in rushing yards per attempt once and number two in rushing yards per attempt twice. Over that three-year span, they were number one in yards per play in total touchdowns and total yards. In 99, if you remember, they won the Super Bowl, had the number one offense. 2000, they win 10 games and made the playoffs with the number one offense and the number 31 defense. And then in 2001, they bounce back and they win 14 games. This is meant in no way to disrespect the Miami Dolphins offense. They have the most yards per offensive play in a season in NFL history. They're averaging over a yard per play more than the second place greatest show on turf. They have the third most yards per offensive play over a six-week stretch, just behind the greatest show on turf, and the fifth most total yards over a six-week stretch. That's behind Dan Fouts, Chargers, Drew Brees' Saints, and the greatest show on turf. And again, to start a season... The eighth most total points scored to start a season. They're in rare company. Some of those numbers are really bolstered by the Broncos game, and I think they got played really tight by a really good Bills defense when they were at full health. At the end of the day, I think there's a massive personnel gap between these offenses. The greatest show on turf, you think about it, Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk, Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt, an offensive line anchored by one of the greatest offensive linemen ever in Orlando Pace. And I still think there's a bunch of offenses other than the greatest show on turf that I'm taking over this Dolphins group. I'm taking the greatest show on turf. I'm taking Peyton's Colts. I'm taking Peyton's Broncos. I'm taking Brady's Patriots. And I'm taking Mahomes' Chiefs. I just think... There's an overall talent differential with all those groups. You got MVP Warner. You got MVP Falk. You got MVP Payton twice. You got MVP Mahomes. You got MVP Brady. And then some of the greatest receiving weapons in NFL history. Bruce, Holt, Harrison, Wayne, Moss, Gronk, Welker, Kelsey, and Carson, who is that wideout on those Mahomes Chiefs teams? The best offenses of that group. 
Tyreek Hill? Tyreek freaking Hill, mm-hmm. buddy. Look, the Dolphins' offense is one of the greatest of all time. No doubt. And I don't want to take anything away from what the Dolphins have accomplished through six weeks and what they are. I think it is absolutely insane how McDaniel weaponizes pre-snap motion and speed. And if they win a Super Bowl this year, I'll put them on that short list behind all of those offenses that I mentioned. This is, no hyperbole, the fastest offense that I've ever seen. And I think this offensive line is damn good too. But there's a massive QB gap between all of those offenses uh, offenses, excuse me, and two attack of Iloa. And I think this should be more about recognizing Tyreek Hill as one of the greatest game-breaking weapons in NFL history. I just think they're more reliant and uplifted by a singular force in Tyreek Hill than those other offenses. And at the end of the day, I think there's a massive QB gap. The totality of this offense, I think, could be in the top 10 of all time. But when we're talking about greatest of all time, the QB gap does it for me between this offense, and the other five that I mentioned. And when I mentioned Brady's Patriots, I'm saying specifically that Moss-Welker to Gronk era from like 2007 and 2012. I would definitely take the greatest show on turf here. And you read some great stats just about how much of an outlier their production was at its peak. 1999-2001, those same three seasons when all of those guys are really at their peaks. They average 12.1 points per game more than league average. That is over a three-season stretch. Twice, they were more than five points per game ahead of the number two scoring offense in football. And the one year they weren't, they were three and a half points per game ahead. Like, that is the sort of gap that you might see between the number one and number two offense once every five years, maybe even more. And they did that for three straight years. It's just disgusting. And I agree with you in terms of the talent gap. I do think that there are comparable units here. I think that, first of all, what we said over and over again, this Dolphins offense is the fastest that we have ever seen. And that speed itself is a game-breaking weapon. And they have four different dudes when uh, HN is healthy who can have that level of impact with just mind-blowing speed. And Tua gets the ball out incredibly fast. Everything is crazy fast. They also have one of the best offensive minds ever. Maybe the most game-changing play caller that I have seen in Mike McDaniel with this incredibly innovative use of motion, a guy who knows how to weaponize all of these guys' strengths to the greatest effect possible. So I think you can look at that coaching edge. The Dolphins have that. You can look at the receiving course here. I think that Hill and Waddle are exceptional. They are one of the best receiving duos we have seen. Obviously, Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt are also in that conversation. When you factor in what Marshall Falk could do as a receiving weapon, maybe you give the Rams a bit of an edge, but it's pretty close. The depth weapons here in Miami, they may not be big names, but those guys sure are drawn open a lot and are effective if it's Berrios, if it's Smythe. So those are comparable groups. But I think that As you laid out, the quarterback edge is significant. Tua is playing really good football right now. He's accurate. He's making very, very quick decisions with the football. He's got good touch. And he's producing at an elite level. But I think that there was a different level in terms of arm talent, in terms of the variety of ways in which Kurt Warner could beat you, in the ways that he could carry an offense, make magic stuff happen. And then the running back edge, the Dolphins' rushing game has been incredibly effective between Mostert and Achan, but 
I just think Marshall Falk is one of the handful of best dudes to ever play the position. That run game to me is more proven. It is a better line, as you mentioned. So whatever edges the Dolphins do have to me are offset by greater advantages that that Rams offense had. And I also want to see Miami do this against more elite defenses, more good defenses, really, because they have run up numbers on some of the worst defenses in football. The Chargers, the number 23 scoring defense in football. The Patriots played them pretty well. I mean, yeah, they still put up 24. They gained almost 400 yards. It's a solid offensive game, but they looked human. The Broncos are the dead last scoring defense in football. Then they go up against the fully healthy Buffalo Bills, and yeah, they had two really good drives out the gate, but they were really held in check from that point forward. Tua made a couple of really bad mistakes in this game. He was rattled by pressure. They looked very, very human. Then they do this to the number 28 scoring defense in football, the New York Giants, who have more talent than I think the potential they've played up to just consistently. They played a good game this past week against the Bills, but overall, that's been a really, really bad defense. And then the Panthers, the number 31 scoring defense. So that's three of the bottom five scoring defenses in football, four of the bottom 10 over their first six weeks. Yes, I believe this is an elite offense with a great offensive mind, with insane weapons, with a quarterback who's playing the position at a very high level right now, but I need to see it for a longer time against better competition to elevate them into those sort of all-time conversations. But they do have a big, big game this week, Logan. So with that in mind, who do you prefer as a contender between them and the Eagles who they're taking on this week? Give me Philly. Uh... Offense is fun. Offense is cool. Uh, if you remember the 2013 NFL season, the greatest offense of all time, the 2013 Denver Broncos took on the Legion of Boom and got housed in the Super Bowl 43-8. to And that's just how I think about football, man. I would rather take the team with a really good offense and a dominant offensive line. And this is no disrespect because Miami's offensive line has done a phenomenal job their zone blocking scheme, the way they get guys open in the running game, it's super impressive too. I think there's a massive gap in terms of the offensive line play because I just think the Eagles have one of the best units in football. And I still think they're one of the best defenses in football. Come playoff time, man, it gets cold. It's it a little harder to sling that rock, you know, what's a little more reliable. A solid running game, uh, a quarterback that I still believe in. They've got great receiving talent. Like, again, man, on paper, I think the Dolphins and Eagles are two of the most talented teams on paper. And I think the Dolphins are legit contenders too, but I'm going to bank on the team with the better defense because uh, I still think the Dolphins' defense is shaky, man. They have yet to really prove it to me. And uh, that's the distinct edge. The offensive gap may be major. I know that Hurts has struggled, but I believe in the offense finding their footing, getting better as the season goes along. And I just think the Eagles are one of the handful of best defense as well. Uh, the Dolphins are just kind of average on that end. So that's why I'll go with Philly. Yeah, I definitely prefer Philly, and I think you make a great point. We can talk about the offense and hold them to this very, very high historical standard that maybe we aren't ready to say they are above at this point, but the offense is what makes them, even in these conversations, the defense is still a real point of concern, and it felt like everybody really hyped up this defense after they held the Patriots to 17 points, which turns out is actually a bad defensive game against the Patriots. They were lit up by the Chargers, they were lit up by the Bills, and then they've played a bunch of shitty offenses too. So this is still the number 26 scoring defense, even with that easy schedule. And when you look at the incredible offenses 
in NFL history that struggle defensively, what is the pattern historically? You mentioned the 2000 Rams, one of the greatest offenses ever. Also one of the worst defenses in football. They couldn't get out of the first round of the playoffs. The 2018 Chiefs, Mahomes' first year, up there for the best offense I've ever seen. They didn't make the Super Bowl that year because of their struggles defensively. They were outside the top 20 in terms of scoring defense. The 2013 Broncos, that was the number 22 scoring defense. They couldn't win the Super Bowl. So that is a big, big difference maker here when I still think that Philly is a pretty elite defense and it's still so sustainable what they do offensively. I think Hertz is going to play better as the year goes along. So definitely give me Philly in that conversation. Would you rather have Brandon Staley as your head coach or Mike McDaniel, but you have to have major knee surgery. It's like a nine-month recovery, but Mike McDaniel's your head coach instead of Brandon Oh my Staley. gosh, Mike McDaniel in a heartbeat, man. Just yeah. go ahead and do the operation. That's a no-brainer. I, I would. Yeah, man. I might have to stop watching football if Brandon Staley was my head coach, man. Well, that's coming from a place of privilege, man. You've never had to recover from a knee surgery. It's not so fun, but I agree. Put me under the knife. Give me Brandon Staley. Not. Do not give me Brandon Staley and the surgery. That would be a living nightmare. The NFL season is going strong and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet five bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. Get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code NERDS. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code NERDS only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problems with gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Speaking of a living nightmare, Logan, how about the quarterback play we've seen from Kenny oh, Pickett man. this year? Would you rather have small hands Kenny or McCorkle Jones? I'd rather have major knee surgery. Yeah, real. That's real. Uh, what a crapshoot, man. What a crapshoot. Uh, give me Kenny Pickett. Uh, Kenny's shown us that he can at least be clutch uh kenny has uh was tied for the six most game-winning drives in a rookie season uh did it again a couple weeks ago tied for the five sixth most how many is that uh four uh behind dak prescott big ben a decent amount some guys that panned out some that didn't baker mayfield vince young I think he's shown us that he can be more clutch than Mac Jones. He's got five game-winning drives in his first 17 games. And when you look at these guys' skill sets, too, I think Kenny's shown us a little more out-of-the-pocket creation, a little bit better feel for the game, more mobility. You know, both these guys can be a little reckless and careless with the ball. I'd say Mac has been worse. I don't think either are in great situations. They're both behind pretty poor offensive lines. Uh, both have not had running games to rely on outside of Mac in his rookie season. Both have been... Pretty handcuffed, I think, by poor play callers. But 
I just think Kenny's shown us a little bit more of outside-of-the-pocket creation. I think he's a little bit marginally better as an arm talent. I don't think either of these guys are great. I just think there's a little more creation and upside with Kenny, and I don't think Kenny fears the moment. I think Kenny's a gamer, and that when the game's hanging in the balance, I think Kenny's a guy who's going to take the game and decide it instead of shying away from it. So, I don't want either of these guys as my franchise QBs at this point. Kenny's really has not shown me a ton. I was really excited about this year. Coming into it, hoping Pickens takes that number one wide receiver stance. Uh, we reestablish the running game. The offensive line gets better. Uh, well, we got Matt Canada as our offensive coordinator, so we're in offensive uh, hell. So, kind of a crapshoot. Give me Kenny. It's marginal. I just don't think Max a starter in this league. I can buy Kenny as a fringe starter. Definitely neither of these dudes look like franchise guys whatsoever. I would lean Kenny... For a couple reasons, Mac has been more prone to the horrible backbreaking mistakes this year, and I think that Kenny's gotten away with a couple of really bad throws, and mm -hmm. he has mm -hmm. had more turnovers than you would like. I don't think either of these guys is really doing anything at a high level. I don't think they're reading the field very well. I don't love their pocket presence. I definitely don't love the arm talents. I don't think either of them have like really above average accuracy. I mean, <laughs> we're picking between two pretty shaky fellas here, but... Kenny, as you say, has a bit more of the athleticism. And frankly, I would take him just because he's in year two when Mac is in year three. So let me at least buy myself a little bit of time, mm -hmm. see if there's a leap coming somewhere down the line from Kenny. I wouldn't bet on it. Both these guys are in really bad offensive situations, but they are also playing the quarterback position at a pretty low level. I feel for you here, man. I know that you were super excited about Kenny. So what is your outlook on how the Steelers should continue to approach the quarterback position? Is it draft a new guy? Is it invest in free agency? Is it ride it out with Kenny for one more year? What are you thinking? No, man, I hate to beat a dead horse here because I know this is... Fire Mac Canada? This, yes, I mean, this okay, is... Okay, but then the, what? This is what you're going to hear from every Steelers fan. You give Kenny a year. You give him... You don't give Kenny a year. I think you give Kenny two years. You ride out his rookie contract with wow. a new OC. Uh, I think that... I mean, like, there's just a – the way I look at it, I compare Kenny to the backup quarterbacks, the other options that we have currently on the roster. The other options on the roster are Mitch Trubisky and Mason Rudolph. Neither of those guys are even close to starting caliber. Kenny is at least a starting caliber quarterback, and we've seen it. If our defense holds up their end of the bargain, if we can get a couple of explosive plays, we're good to go. But the reality of the situation with the Steelers is – and I hate this – if you score three touchdowns on the Steelers, the game's over. You can put a fork in the Steelers. They have no chance at winning the football game. How embarrassing of a reality of is that for a football team? If you put up 21 points on the Steelers' head, the game is over. So I hate to beat a dead horse here. The answer is to fire Matt Canada to find a, co a competent offensive play caller and to see what he can do with Kenny, see what he can do with a guy who I think is a bona fide number one receiving talent in George Pickens, a tight end who's really damn good in Pat Fryermuth. Both of these guys, they need to throw the damn ball to, and then they need to get the running game going uh, of some sort. If that's giving it to Jalen Warren, if that's giving it to Najee, Najee's been extremely underwhelming. Uh, I think the Steelers should go out and hire Mike Munchak again. Uh, the offensive line, frankly, has not been the same. 
he was stolen away from the Steelers back in 2017, I believe, to the Denver Broncos. Uh, they completely bungled that. Nathaniel Hackett fired Mike Munchak when he came into town. He's still not on an NFL roster. I would get Mike Munchak back, to, back tomorrow. One of the great offensive linemen in NFL history and one of the greatest offensive line coaches in NFL history. I'd bring him back and I'd let him do some work on this offense. The solution is to get rid of Canada and let a new offensive coordinator figure it out. I give Kenny two more years. I'm not ready to throw in the towel. And the reality of the situation is he's on a rookie contract and we already invested a first round draft pick in him. You don't go back to the well when you have both of those factors on your side. We have not seen enough from Kenny to crown him as a franchise quarterback yet, but I'm not ready to throw in the towel on Kenny. Mike Munchak takes here, courtesy of Logan Yeah, Kansas. buddy. Yeah, buddy. You're not getting those anywhere else. All right, while we're talking about bad quarterback play, would you rather owe Daniel Jones $200 million or owe Tony Soprano $200 million, Logan? I'd like your answer. Tony Soprano for sure, man. What? What is you're gonna dude, what die. is Daniel Jones doing for me, man? He's not doing anything for you, but do you have two hundred million dollars to give to Tony Soprano? Because nah, if not, but you're I know die. a guy. I know a guy. Yeah. Yeah, you know Paulie Walnuts. Yeah, he's not <laughs> doing you any good with the boss. All right. Logan, the Kansas City Chiefs are our reigning Super Bowl champions, but they're off to a pretty good start this year. Would you rather have Last year's Chiefs or this year's Chiefs? It's tough, dude. I think I'm taking this year's Chiefs. And uh, I made this take a couple weeks back. I, I really do think this is the best surrounding unit uh, of the Chiefs era, you know, in totality, top to bottom. Now, I prefer the 2022 Chiefs weapons uh, a little bit Interesting. more. Uh, I think Juju Smith-Schuster... Uh, is just a better receiver, and I know he's not doing anything in New England. Please don't take that away from anything about Juju as a football player. I still think he's a really good slot receiver. He just plays for the Patriots, man. What do you want a guy to do? Yeah, what's a guy um, got to do? But the offensive line, I think, is marginally better. I think Isaiah Pacheco's slightly better than last season, and this is by far the best defense of the Mahomes era. They've got the number two defense in the NFL this season. They're number four by passing yards per attempt they forced nine turnovers through six games that's almost half of what they had last season uh they had the number 31 red zone defense in 2022 they've been much better situationally they've been number 11 there this season and they're a top 10 third down defense uh chris jones has been the best interior d lineman in football i think this season even better than a guy like Aaron Donald. I think Karlaftis is a damn good edge. I think he's even better than last season. And I think in the middle, Tranquil, Gay, and Bolden, when healthy, have been great there. So uh, with Spags as one of the best defensive coordinators in football, I just think this is one of the best defenses that they've ever had. When you've got that recipe, the best O-line of the Mahomes era, the best defense of the Mahomes era, and the best quarterback in NFL history, give me that. I have a question for you, Karst. I want to hear your take on this too. Would you rather have... All of this that he has now, or would you rather have Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey with a bottom 10 defense? Mm, that's an interesting question. I think I would rather have this team. I just don't think that you can actually win a Super Bowl with a bottom 10 defense. Mm -hmm. You think about 2019, that was one of the best defenses of the Mahomes era. They won the Super Bowl. Last year, that defense stepped up to play at a pretty high level. 
like the one year that they were a legitimately bad defense. As I've mentioned, that was the year that they didn't go to the Super Bowl, despite the fact that it was their best offense. So I would take the better all around football team. And I do prefer this year's chiefs to last year's chiefs for that very reason. And when we were talking about the best defenses in football earlier, we didn't bring up the chiefs, but they got to be at least on the outskirts of that conversation. Mm -hmm. They are playing like a top five defense right now. And it's interesting that you mentioned how many good defenses it feels like there are this year. This is pretty interesting. This has been a real down year for offensive production within the scope of recent NFL history. The Dolphins are obviously going crazy. The Niners are going crazy. And by the way, I think that they still belong in the same conversation with the Dolphins for best offense in the league today. They were shorthanded in rough conditions against a great defense. They had a very bad week. But I think the totality of that offense, skill position, talent, line talent, play calling, very, very solid quarterback play, they're right up in that same tier. The Dolphins haven't concretely separated from them whatsoever to me. But compared to 2020, league average points per game was 24.8. Right now, it's 21.8. It's the second lowest scoring season in the NFL since 2010. And interestingly, teams are taking more field goals per game than they have since 1973. Lots of red zone defense going on. Teams having to settle a little bit more in the red zone. But Yeah, take some notes, McCarthy and Staley. Yeah, great for Logan's take the points agenda. But I think this Chiefs defense is the best they've had, no doubt about it. You gave some great stats. It's the number two scoring defense. They're number two in pressure rate. That front is really, really good. I like the linebackers core. I like the secondary. And yeah, they've beat up on some bad offenses. But also, when they've played good offenses, they held the Jags to nine points, their lowest scoring game of the season, their second lowest yardage output. They held the Lions to their fewest offensive points, just 14 in that game, and their second fewest yards. They held the Vikings to 20 when they still had Jettis out there, and they did a better job on him than anybody had all year. It's a damn good defense, and I think it's a level mm -hmm. up from anything that we've seen from the Chiefs up to this point. And offensively, I do think I prefer this receiving core to last year's. The loss of Juju as that reliable number two is unfortunate, but the depth is significantly better. I think they've added young guys, and young guys have grown into their own, and like we've talked about before, there's a lot of specialists here. They have their get him the ball in space and let him go to work guy in Kadarius Tony. They have their deep threats, their vertical stretch the field kind of guys with Justin Watson and MVS. I think that Rasheed Wright has really started to produce at an impressive level. I think that Noah Gray's a solid tight end. Like they just have more options than last year. And the totality of that to me outweighs the loss of Juju. So really the only way in which they're underachieving versus last year is probably Mahomes hasn't played his sharpest, most perfect football. And Andy Reed hasn't been the best version of himself in terms of play calling, just made some questionable decisions, but they absolutely have the foundation to be better than last year. And honestly, one of the best chiefs teams that we've seen. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. And another guy they just traded for, uh, they're bringing back Miko Hardman, uh, they got him back for a seventh round pick, and I think that's a, it's a good get. I don't act like it's a massive pickup. Mecole's a good vertical threat, though. He can space the floor, space the floor. Yeah, he's about to shoot a three. Uh, he's got, he's got wheels, man. You know, I think he's a little inflated, but uh, you know, because he had a bunch of TDs last year. Um, like, I think he's a little overvalued, is what I mean. But 
he's he's a good depth wide receiver to have, and I think you're right. I like the depth. I may not like the top end talent here, but again, when you've got one of the best receiving weapons in NFL history in Travis Kelsey, you don't need a whole lot of. So I, I still do like the depth. You make a good point there. Yeah. And again, after week one, it was sort of freak out season about the receiving core, but I think that they've come along nicely and it's a pretty solid unit overall and a really, really good football team. So there you have it, everybody. Some good old fashioned NFL. Would you rather hope you've enjoyed if you did? The good news is there is plenty more nerd sesh content. You can subscribe to the volume YouTube page to get all of our shows with video. You can also listen to the podcast across audio platforms. You can follow us across social media, TikTok and Instagram at nerd sesh. Twitter at nerd underscore sesh. You can join our Discord. That is at our link tree. If you want to talk football, basketball with us, just be part of our community. And you can check out our merch. We've got hats. We've got shirts. We've got hoodies. We've got the flags behind us. All of that at thevolume.com and also at our link tree. And with that, as always, I've been Carson Brabber. I have been Logan Camden. And this was Nerd Sesh. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.